You're listening to the Quality of Love Podcast. Your home for all things love, relationship, and mental health. Hosted by nationally certified life and relationship coach, Tyrone Dixon. Sit back, relax, and get tips on creating the life you deserve without wasting any more time. Welcome to the Quality of Love Podcast. I'm your host, Tyrone Dixon, nationally certified life and relationship coach, husband, father to two beautiful princesses, and CEO and founder of a Rose Through Concrete Consulting. Thank you guys for taking the time out to listen in with us tonight. We really appreciate it. You guys have made it to another Wednesday with us. That means we have another Wednesday question and answer episode. And out to you guys. Before we get into that, just want to say uh, we hit the 7,500. Uh, download plateau, right? So we're well on our way to 10,000. And as I've shared on this podcast and on all of my social media handles previously, one of my major goals for the podcast within the first year was to reach 10,000 downloads. So we're well on our way with about two months out till the one year celebration of the quality of love. So thank you guys for downloading. Keep it coming. We want to smash that 10,000 download number way before we even get to the year anniversary right? But without further ado, let's get into our quote of the day. And this quote comes to you guys from Mary Tyler Moore. And the quote reads, you can't be brave if you have only had wonderful things happen to you. Once again, that quote is, you can't be brave if you have only had wonderful things happen to you. And that quote is by Mary Tyler Moore. And for me, that quote just symbolizes when uh, I go through adversity and I'm facing very, very difficult times within life. Um, it makes me think of that quote and think of the fact that adversity is a part of life and it helps to shape us. It helps to build character and it helps to create resilience. So whenever I'm going through heavy amounts of adversity or I'm feeling kind of down on myself, I think of that quote and I realize that everyone has a story to tell and everyone has a story to share when it comes to success. And if you're going to share a story of success, undoubtedly it has some areas and avenues in which you've faced adversity at some point in time. Question number one from our relationship and mental health side of things. Should we punish people who did harmful, biased actions? Once again, that question is, should we punish people who did harmful, biased actions? I would say no on that. Um, it's been my experience in my profession that people who do bias, harmful actions, sometimes they're not aware of their bias. And there's something called implicit bias going around now. And what that means is that there's some biases that we've been exposed to growing up that we're not even aware of that we carry out until adulthood, into adulthood, excuse me. So when it comes to punishing people, I want to I want to kind of take a step back from just punishing everybody who may do harmful bias actions and really kind of breaking it down to the point where we're getting really, really individualized with our consequences to harmful bias behavior, because some people are just not aware of their actions actions and they're not aware of what their actions and the impact of their actions are on other people. Question number two, I have a male friend who finds me attractive, wants to know all my life details, talk to me every day, but prefers to stay friends. Why is this? Once again, that question is, I have a male friend who finds me attractive, wants to know all my life details, talk to me every day, 
but prefers to stay friends. Why is this? Well, there could be a couple of reasons. One of the reasons is that he looks at you and looks at your friendship and holds that up upon a pedestal. So although he feels those normal attractions that all humans feel to you um, and maybe even wanting to know your intimate details of your life, he has that relationship or the friendship on a pedestal. So when it comes to dating and kind of moving forward beyond friendship, it may be a little intimidating to him because he does not want to mess it up, right? So he thinks that you're such a great woman. You're you're so amazing as a friend that when you guys transition, if you guys transition into a relationship, somehow, some way he might ruin it or blow it, right? So I would have a conversation with him and I would invite you to have a conversation with him if you do find him attractive and would like to move forward. And during that conversation, just let him know that regardless of what happens within a relationship, you guys are going to keep that friendship element of it, right? So you're going to have open dialogue. You're going to talk to one another back and forth, and you're going to be receptive to the needs of your friend, right? Because all great lasting and long-term relationships start off as great friendships, right? For me, friendship and trust are the two solid foundations to building a lasting long-term relationship. So it may just be the fact that he's a little intimidated um, in regards to getting into a relationship with you because he may not feel like he'll be able to measure up, right? If you like him, like the ways that you think he likes you, I'd say go for it, but keep friendship as the number one component of your relationship, So that way, even if it does not work out romantically, you guys are still pretty good friends. Question number three, what do people do during a relationship break? And if you have sex with another person during the break, is it considered cheating? Once again, that question is, what do people do in a relationship break? And if you have sex with another person during the break, is it considered cheating? I think uh, any time that I've ever heard of a relationship break or taken a break in a relationship, it's because one partner felt that they were overwhelmed in the relationship. So when it comes to relationship breaks, I invite you and your partner to be very, very specific on what the break entails. Right. So if the break entails cheating, right, you know what the ramifications or what the what the parameters around cheating is. Right. Is that going out on a date? Is it having sex with another person? Have this very, very frank conversation with your partner prior to going on the relationship break, because what I've seen during relationship breaks um, and actually let me backtrack a little bit. A relationship break is it happens when one or more partners within the relationship are overwhelmed. So what they want to do is they want to take a little time to be apart from one another, maybe to explore other relationships with others just to see if the partner that they're with is truly their connected one or their their soulmate for that time being. When on relationship breaks, I found that couples have gotten themselves in the most trouble when they haven't had a rules engagement surrounding the breakup, right? Or the the relationship break. And when I say rules engagement, I mean frank conversations about what what can happen during this relationship break, right? Can you go on dates with other people? Is sex with another person allowed, right? All of these things you want to have a conversation about before going on or going into the relationship break because the things that are left unspoken typically lead to danger and trouble down the line when we talk about a relationship break, right? So have a conversation. Relationship break is not, it's not uncommon. 
what is the issue is when you don't have a conversation around what what qualifies as cheating, what qualifies as now this relationship must be terminated if partner A does this or if partner B does that. Question number four, how do you work out if a person does not, if a person you're dating, excuse me, is dismissive, avoidant, and uninterested? Once again, that question is, how do you work out if the person you're dating is dismissive, avoidant, and uninterested? I don't think there's any way a relationship can work out if someone is dismissive, avoidant, and not interested in what you have to say. For me, that's a sign of an individual that may be immature and struggle with being able to articulate their own needs and their own feelings. And that's a serious red flag when we're talking about a relationship, a lasting one in particular, right? Because in lasting relationships, people have to display the maturity to be able to articulate how they feel at any given time, right? So that their partner is aware and their partner knows how they feel and then then is able to adjust and move accordingly to adjust their feelings in order to make sure the partner feels supported and safe and has an opportunity to have their needs met, right? If you're dating someone that's not interested in doing any of that, then it makes it very, very difficult for you to be able to hold them accountable for their actions and also be able to know what they ultimately want or need from you within the relationship, right? If they can't identify what they need, then that'll leave the space for you to try to guess what they need. And then if you guess wrong, they may be they may get upset, ultimately causing you to start to walk on eggshells within your relationship, right? So if your partner is avoidant, uninterested, and generally dismissive, I would invite you to have a frank conversation with them about what needs to happen in terms of making sure both partners have their needs met within the relationship. And then once that happens and once that occurs, if your partner's not receptive to changing and improving some of their behaviors, I would invite you to distance yourself from that person and break up with them. Because in the long run, if that person continues to display the behaviors that they're displaying now, you're just going to become more frustrated and ultimately feel some resentment towards them. Question number six, why can't people break up when they want to cheat? Once again, that question is, why can't people break up when they want to cheat? I think that's another case of people not being able to comfortably identify their needs within a relationship, right? So there may be a need that they have that they're not comfortable asking you for or asking you to meet. So what they do is they seek this need outside of the relationship, right? And in a lot of cases, they'll say things like, oh, I didn't mean to, or it didn't mean anything when I cheated. But that's that's just them throwing up a defense mechanism and the defense screen to tell you that they haven't quite matured enough to the point where they know how to articulate their feelings and know how to articulate needs within their relationship, right? So you'll see immature behaviors start to be displayed, such as cheating and stepping outside their relationship. One thing that I invite you not to do is to look at this as as if it's something wrong with you, right? So in a lot of cases, when we are in relationships with someone who cheats, we start to blame ourselves and we think like, what did, what did I do that was wrong or why wasn't I enough or why wasn't I good enough? When in fact, cheating is 100% on the other person and their inability to articulate their needs within the relationship. All right, let's touch on some insight from a former narcissist. Question number one, why do narcissists trauma bond with their supply? 
Once again, that question is, why do narcissists trauma bond with their supply? I wouldn't necessarily say that's a trauma bond when it comes to narcissists. I think what happened is they they identify the, the degree of trauma that their supply has gone through or has experienced, and then they feed off of that, right? So they start to create the idea or the facade that, they're the only person that can help this the this person that experienced trauma get over the trauma because they've been through something similar and some of the same things has happened in their lives. All that is to do when when dealing with a narcissist, all that is to do to you is to get you within their loop and get you within their circle to create this codependence upon them that makes you think that this person is your savior. This person is the only person that can identify with you and can identify with the feelings that you're experiencing all a facade. Once again, I need to repeat that all of that is a facade when dealing with a person that you know is a narcissist because they're not looking to make a bond or a connection with you in any way, shape or form. What they're really looking to do is to get you in their loop and ultimately create a dependence upon them from you. Right. So be careful when you start to talk about terms like trauma bond and trauma connection when dealing with a narcissist, because there's never a true connection when you're working or when you're dating a narcissistic individual, because they're only thinking about themselves, right? So that connection piece that you're thinking about when it comes to trauma bonds and trauma connections, it does not exist in a relationship with an individual who is narcissistic. Question number two, how do narcissists react when their ego is threatened? Again, that question is, how do narcissists react when their ego is threatened? I've seen two typical responses from narcissists when their ego is threatened. The first response from them um, that I've seen personally is that they'll start to act out a little more, right? So you'll see a lot of their behaviors go from kind of being subtle, so them being charming and kind of low-key to very overt and attention-needing, right? So they, they do a lot of extra stuff to get attention when they feel like they're not the center of attention within a room or within an area. The second thing that I've seen narcissists do in order to get attention when their ego feels threatened is to start to revert to being a victim, right? So looking for ways for them to be the most talked about person in the room in terms of victimhood, right? So they might bring up the trauma they experienced as a child, or they might bring up instances of failed relationships in the past in which someone did them wrong or mistreated them in some way, shape, or form. All of that to do is to get you to feel bad for them and to make you feel like they were the victim of life circumstances and they had no control, right? Don't fall for it. A narcissist is truly a narcissist. So that's a person that's a very, very self-centered individual and they can care less about how others feel when it comes to their ego being threatened, right? They're going to protect their ego at all costs, whether that's minimizing their behavior or displaying some overt behaviors. Question number three. I came across a podcast that defines narcissism as being unable to accept the viewpoint of others. Is this pretty accurate? Once again, that question is, I came across a podcast that defines narcissism as being unable to accept the viewpoints of others. Is this pretty accurate? I would say, yeah. Yeah, there I've never seen an individual who was a narcissist accept another's perspective or another's viewpoint without trying to manipulate the situation to make it seem like it's in their favor, 
right? So, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good assessment of a narcissist, someone who I wouldn't even say unable, though, because with narcissism, it's a refusal to do something, right? So it's not that they're unable to do it. It's an unwillingness to accept the viewpoint of others, I would say, um, because they're very, very much able to do it. It's just that they're not willing to do it. Question number four, how do I communicate with a narcissist? Once again, that question is, how do I communicate with a narcissist? I think when you're talking about communicating with a narcissist, it's it's a manipulation and skillful manipulation tactic that I use when I'm looking to communicate with an individual who I know is clearly a narcissist. And what it, what that is, is I'm I'm hopping to points in which they agree upon. Right. Or I may even get to a point where I stroke their ego and tell them how awesome they are, how intelligent they are, how intelligent um, I appreciate them being in a certain space all to get them comfortable and to get their defense down and to get them on my side, right? So first thing first, you might want to stroke the narcissistic ego, just telling them how nice they are and how good they are at a particular subject or topic of discussion. Once their guard is down, I would then have a conversation about what I want out of this relationship or out of our conversation in general, right? So what do I want to get accomplished during this conversation and out of this conversation? And once I was clearly able to identify that, I would just work with the narcissist on some of their own kind of patterns and some of their own egotistical things that that they like to do and kind of work that within our conversation, right? So the idea being that, you're, you're stroking their ego a little bit during the conversation only in order to get what you need or you want out of that conversation. Right. And I know some people might look at that as negative, as manipulation. But for me, that's simply playing the game with an individual who's trying to play a game with you. Question number five, is a narcissistic individual more likely to be passive aggressive before or instead of being outright aggressive? Again, that question is, is a narcissistic individual more likely to be passive aggressive before or instead of being outright aggressive? I think that's very specific to the individual in which we're talking about. I've seen it both ways, right? I've seen a a narcissist lash out and I've also seen them kind of display minimal behaviors that come across as passive aggressive. So it's very, very specific upon the individual. I will say when it comes to the passive aggressive behaviors, some things that I've seen um, is them just kind of planting bad seeds about you within your family. I've also seen them kind of planting bad seeds about you and smearing your name to coworkers or people that you find reputable and you respect a lot. When it comes to the overt behaviors, I've seen them put individuals down both emotionally as well as in terms of psychologically, right? So just constantly telling them what they aren't, what they're not capable of, and the things that they cannot do, right? So in both cases, you want to be extra mindful of this individual displaying these behaviors because the the goal is to tear you down in some way, shape, or form, right? If the narcissistic individual is not um, allowed to tear you down, then a lot of these behaviors tend to fall by the wayside over time, but also know and understand that these behaviors are falling by the wayside, but this narcissistic individual is certainly on the prowl for a new supply. Question number six, 
What did your your breakup with the narcissistic person look like specifically? How did they react? Once again, that question is, what did your breakup with the narcissistic person look like specifically? And how did they react? For me, I think it it came, it was a combination of several things, right? But one of the things that kind of really opened my eyes to this person being a narcissistic individual was that they were planning on doing things without me in mind, right? But they were trying to make it seem as though they have my best interests in heart and at mind too. Once I realized that, I think it it gave me the opportunity to to look at this person in another light. And once I looked at them in another light, I realized a lot of the patterns and behaviors that they displayed within our relationship over time had led to them having a lot of the similar characteristics of a narcissist and a narcissistic individual. So with that being said, I simply told them that the relationship that we were currently in, it was not going to meet my needs. And I had to move on um, and go and, and be alone for a while and then ultimately try to find love after that if I felt up to it. Right. And the way they reacted was act, they were receptive to it. They made up like a whole bunch of name calling and calling me out of my name and telling me how I wouldn't measure up to be anything and that my entire family wasn't anything and just like a whole bunch of negativity at first. Right. So once they realized that that wasn't going to work and it wasn't going to create this dynamic within our relationship that made me feel like I should go back to them. Um, I hear from them like periodically, like maybe once every couple of months and it'd be like random check-ins. Um, and then after a while, I, I wouldn't hear from them at all. Right. So I, I assumed that they found a new supply and they were able to take some of their narcissistic traits and uh, like move them on to someone else. Right. So for me, that was one of the um, most pivotal decisions I've made in my entire life to separate from that person. Because once that happened, I started to um, gain a level of empowerment that I had not had before. And it was based off of the fact that I knew that I was able to build myself up after being completely torn down. All right. So that's all I have for you guys today. Remember, you guys are more than welcome to hit us up at TQLP two zero at gmail.com with any questions that you guys have for our big Wednesday episode. Once again, that's TQLP two zero at gmail.com or hit us up on our Facebook page, the quality of love podcast. Also, before I go, sorry about this, guys, I should have mentioned it earlier in the show. I'll be a part of a podcast series, um, Pod VCon. So if you guys have any questions on that coming on March 20th, I'll be sure to answer them live on air um, at the Pod VCon, which I'm really excited about. Also got an interview coming up this Thursday. Be on the lookout for that. Gonna chop it up with some really, really cool gentlemen that I met from down in Georgia. So be on the lookout for all of that. We're still moving forward and on the road to 10K. Remember, guys. The quality of love and relationship that you have in your life will determine the quality of your life. Peace and love.